0: what's up conroe welcome to a brand new edition of nerd thug radio the 97th best show that your friends told you to listen to uh i'm cordial g with you as usual his little brother nico that's me that's right all right man let's uh got a lot going on it's been, uh, been an exciting week but first of all uh let's start off as we always do how you doing man
1: I'm doing well. I got a lot of uh, new things coming up, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Oh, okay, new things coming up. Yeah, ambiguous. I like it. Got to stay ambiguous, or else they can't. No one, no one, You can't be liable in a court of law. <laughs>
0: Just that. Yeah. All right. We'll allow it. That's fine.
1: <laughs> they can't get me for nothing, man.
0: Stay, got, got. To stay on your toes, I guess. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. Okay, all right. So, Nico, not to be found in a court of law. I like it. Okay. Um, well, Nico, I've got some interesting news. What's your news. Okay. Remember, I called you last night with a crazy story that was breaking across the internet. Correct. Uh, across the internet the other night, it basically just broke like wildfire that the WWE was being sold to the Saudi Arabia like fund. They have like an investment fund mm-hmm. uh it turns out that's not quite the
1: case. All right, excellent work, team. We're already we're already killing the game.
0: Um, they are essentially what they're saying is that they don't necessarily have an agreement in place with Saudi Arabia, but that they are having conversations about Saudi Arabia. Uh, but. It it does indicate that it's going to be a very quick sale, and that they are this won't take very long at all. But it was slightly premature to say that Saudi Arabia is buying the WWE. So we're gonna walk
1: it back just a little bit. It, it's listen.
0: By the time this airs, so we're recording Wednesday afternoon. By the time this airs, Thursday, it's entirely possible that the WWE is sold to the Saudi Arabian fund or whatever. That's not out of the question. However, the story broke Tuesday night, like like wildfire, and the story as it broke was that the defensive man had already sold the WWE. That's not necessarily the case. Gotcha. It's still a very real possibility that they'll sell the WWE to Saudi Arabia. And it's a possibility it could be any time. That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting is that people are walking back the details that it's a done deal. Nobody is walking back the details that Vince McMahon is going to sell the WWE. And nobody is walking back the details that Vince McMahon and Saudi Arabia have a deal together. Right.
1: That's still though huge news. I mean, yeah. I mean, anytime you're selling probably one of the biggest I mean one cornerstones of television. Pop culture, yeah. I mean
0: at this point, these these figures have been kind of en- enmeshed in the pop culture for so long that I don't even, I'm not even totally sure. Yeah. I, I, these are this, there's such a seminal part of the history of pop culture and the relationships between like television, superheroes, comic books, movies, Kind of the whole intersection of Thug radio wrestling sits right square in the middle of it, and this would be one of the biggest game changing moments potentially in 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 sports. I mean, I know it's not necessarily sports, but it's sport adjacent. I mean, this yeah,
1: be- I mean, like this is this is the WWE has been such a Cornerstone of pop culture and television for so long, such a long period of time. I mean, look at look at you know, even just even in Hollywood, actors like The Rock, John Cena. You know, yeah, yeah. This is that's where they started. This is where their starting began. And I where, mean, where would we get half the bad guys in Fast and the Furious? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, but these to mean, even in the MCU, like these, like. It's normal for these people to move into other industries and they all get their start here. Let alone the people that stay in wrestling and are huge deals. People like Triple H and The Undertaker. Like these are names that people know because they're so important. Yeah, especially man. Okay, so Rick Flair, Hulk Hogan.
0: Yep, yep. Macho Man Randy Savage. The uh, Demo- the giant, Under the giant, uh, Sting, uh, Undertaker, Mankind, The Rock, Stone Cold. I mean, the DJ X, NWO, the things that are part of this brand, this culture. It's 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 crazy to me
1: that this is even for sale. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's just kind much of crazy. much like the million dollar man would say. That's <laughs> true.
0: That's price. Price. That's price.
1: You're right. You're right.
0: It. I. I genuinely question. There's an element of like, if I can't have it, no one can. Kind of feeling to Vince McMahon selling the company.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like it, this is this is him. Like, he's put everything into this. Not that, that's, not that he's a good person or that, like, the things he's been doing have been all that ethical. But this is his baby. This is kind of his thing that he's done forever. Yeah, but wouldn't you want to see it survive? Uh, I don't know. Some people are weird about it. Some people are like, I built this. You have no right to take it away from me. So no one can have it. <laughs> cuz cuz ultimately what i think will happen is if saudi arabia
0: buys this i think you know i don't think i don't think very much will be done instantly i think a lot will be done over time
1: yeah there's definitely going to be a lot of people that won't go to the wwe now and will leave the wwe correct and there's
0: a lot at stake the WWE has kind of always done a good job of flying under the radar and avoiding politics. I don't necessarily believe that would be the case if they were sold to Saudi Arabia. I think there are certain elements to it that there's just no getting around. There's certain... Okay, so Wing, and, and I always forget his name, when when the guy he's the prince now to Saudi Arabia and basically he's like the nephew to the current sultan. Um, when he first kind of came onto the scene, the first time I was made aware of him, prince. And I and I don't want to say the name because I don't I don't I don't feel like I'll get it right. He was being accused of having a journalist killed at the Turkish embassy. And it was a Turkish citizen, but they had been critical of the of the prince of Saudi Arabia. And so the Saudi Arabian Special Detail basically tracked, they lured him to the Turkish embassy and while he was there. They took him to a location inside of it somewhere. And they just did horrific, terrible things to him as they killed him. I think they, they basically cut him up into pieces. In order to get him out of the embassy.
1: Terrifying.
0: And so so that happens. Everyone is like, oh my gosh, these guys are the worst. There was a global summit that was supposed to happen that they were hosting. And dozens of companies back out of this, okay? But it had all been part of a seminal week there in Saudi Arabia, inside of the kingdom, where these companies were all going to be in Saudi Arabia, kind of all at the same time. And it started off with this symposium of like technology and guest speakers and stuff like that. Most of them canceled going and paid back whatever advances or money they had taken from uh, the prince. And that week was going to culminate with the weekend WWE event. So there was a WWE event creeping up on the calendar as all this happened. And we got to about 14 days out and I genuinely was still under the impression that the WWE was going to back out of the event. Um, Instead, they stuck with it and it wound up being a very successful event for the WWE and for Saudi Arabia in general. Uh, But just to give you an idea of what kind of stuff was going on, this this is one of those ones where the Undertaker and Goldberg had had a, had a match.
1: This is the first uh, Crown Jewel event, right? Crown Jewel, correct.
0: And it was so bad that everybody was kind of like, oh, what happened there? And it came out that Goldberg may have given himself a concussion just right before he came out to the match. Uh, this is where there was a Royal Rumble part of the event, and Chris Jericho said this was the best money he'd gotten for a single pay-per-view event like this thing ever and it was for eight minutes in the royal rumble um there there was just a lot of money making things possible but also just a lot of poor choices things things that were clearly being done for money's sake and I, i don't
1: know i just It's yeah. it's definitely uh, definitely a weird, very much feels like a move powered entirely by greed. Exactly that. Yes, they definitely kind of showed
0: that they were willing to take anyone's money. That it didn't matter where the money came from, and I believe they get paid something like fifty to seventy million dollars per event they hold in Saudi Arabia, and so that one event kind of helps carry the whole year for them. And this was just the new math for them. This was all during the COVID era and they weren't able to, to sell out stadiums. They weren't traveling. They kind of needed to do something yeah. different.
1: They were, they were of... bribing, they were bribing state governments. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Uh, and they needed to do something to, to keep the currency flowing. And then part of that included, you know, I mean, bribing state governments, but also part of it included working with people like um, I think his name is Prince Khashoggi. I think that's what his name is. Uh, The Prince of Saudi Arabia, who is not a well received guy. Now, I guess thankfully for the WWE, he's a huge wrestling fan. But uh, it's (laughs) I don't. It's such a weird story because. Who would sell the WWE to a Saudi Arabian prince? Like,
1: how does it get uh, to this? Someone, someone. he's probably being offered just, uh, like, probably a ludicrous amount of money.
0: Well, the talk is, my understanding is that the fund is going to just essentially take the company private. So they're going to buy every share of this company all at once. Yeah. Take the whole thing private.
1: No, yeah. I, I assume that they're going to take it private, but I'm saying the, the number... We might not ever know what this number is. Oh, you're
0: saying like they're they're offering so much money. Yeah, uh,
1: that they're like, the WWE, the WWE is being purchased, and it's like probably like $50 billion or something ridiculous. Okay, so Twitter was bought for $44 billion. Oh, Probably, maybe $100 billion, $80 billion. <laughs> Like... <laughs> Based on Twitter by math. Yeah. Alright, okay. I
0: mean, yeah, I can't get it right I, I, I get the WWE has real earnings, is a profitable company.
1: Right. He's a cornerstone of, of media television. <laughs> yeah, listen, there's no doubt that
0: people people have said, Well, you know, what are do you doing Mondays? And it's like, oh well, I'm watching Raw. What are you doing Friday? Oh, I'm watching SmackDown. And there's no doubt that there are people who are going to say that in the future. So,
1: and uh, yeah. if you if you look at the metrics, uh, WWE trends on Twitter every time they do anything.
0: <laughs> Boy, I mean, there's no getting it. Do you think that'll continue? Do you think they'll
1: still trend every Monday and every Friday on Twitter? Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt. In fact, I think like as soon as this purchase goes through, it'll be even more so because they'll you'll get. People who are wrestling fans and then also people being like, I can't believe you're supporting Saudi Arabia. <laughs> like, yeah, that's
0: you're right. Like I, I this is going to be a divisive moment in their history. And that I do wonder what what is wrestling gonna look like post this sell? What is it what is it gonna resemble? What's it gonna look like? What who how does it all work post this this sale? If the sale does in fact go through, as I sort of suspect that it will, um, I do you, like part. I, part of me is a little weirded out that like they don't just buy out Vince McMahon because it's obvious that he's doing this as a money grab.
1: I think I think they just want all of it. I don't. I don't think Saudi Arabia is really a country that wants to share. Maybe
0: yeah, I mean maybe you're you're right. Like,
1: like if they're if they're gonna be, they don't want to be a part of something they want. It. Oh that's, no,
0: no, oh you know what though? But I, I mean like, why doesn't WWE just buy out Vince McMahon?
1: Oh, it's probably because he he's never he's never gonna he's never gonna sell it to them. Oh, you
0: think that's what? You think he's gonna? De- the whole thing and and apparently part of the machinations of him coming back he does with the people that he, he came back with two other people with the three of them back together they appear to have control over the direction of WWE
1: yeah that's what I mean like I don't I genuinely think he promised these other two board members well I mean probably just with their shares they would get so much money from the Saudi Arabia deal that they wouldn't they wouldn't budge either way Maybe so now that's, that's that a fair now, point. Yeah. Like, I think that they've, they've deadlocked in so much that, like, there's no changing this unless, like, I'm just surprised that they
0: just don't say, because I think that's the way to get out of it is just go, listen, you want to sell the company, so you don't want to be in charge anymore. You want the company to go private. How about we just buy your shares from you and put those in the company coffers? And then we'll go from there. Uh, because I, I think that would be a way to kind of, uh, you know, appease or or kind of put the money into Vince's pockets that maybe he's looking for while still protecting the brand that is WWE from being owned by Saudi Arabia. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's such a That's- messy story. It really is. Because like, there's no good. First of all, I think all the advancement in the women's division. It, and listen, we could be totally, we could be totally wrong. Like, there's a real chance that this fund buys it and changes nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they might be like, "Look, you guys are running it really well," but I feel like there's no way it doesn't change. <laughs> no, and I, and I feel the same way. I feel
0: like no one's going to spend that amount of money and not want to immediately affect change in the culture
1: yeah that's that's where that's kind of where i'm at because i feel like they're going to be like all right well this has been great guys but now i want because what they're going to do is they're going to want to make it what they want to see well and over time too there's definitely going to be like
0: there's just certain differences you can't badmouth the arabian royalty no, You know, like like you can badmouth an American president and no one's really going to, you know, if, if somebody was running on a, like a, a pro-Trump speech or character or something in WWE, nobody would stop them. And no. in, 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 in reverse, it, if somebody was doing a Biden thing, nobody would stop either. They would just, it would be part of the entertainment.
1: Yeah, you're just you're. It's just a part of the storytelling and a part of that. You know? But if somebody were doing that with
0: uh, like a. If somebody were making an anti-Prince sentiment or an anti-government sentiment with the prison uh, with the with post Saudi Arabian purchase. There's no way it would work. Nope. And so there will there will be subtle changes. May it may be wholesale change, but for sure subtle changes if it is in fact purchased. And that is that alone kind of says that how major this deal is. Because I, I feel like kind of the rule of the WWE is they don't care as long as it works. Yeah. And so that rule will change. Like you, there will you, you know oh man i just had this thought there will never be another dx if this cell goes through yeah cuz like one of the one of dx's big moments where they really they were getting in a lot of trouble so dx was usa was airing wwe raw live okay every monday night and DX was going on there, and they're throwing the suckets, and they're saying what they're saying, and they're making all these jokes and innuendo. And every week, uh, the WWE is getting, like, reminder letters from the USA Network about the, F- the FCC regulations. And then out of the blue, they get one letter that specifically just says, we have had enough. They can only say this, this, and this in the first hour. Then the next hour, they can only say this, this, this. And and then so so on and so forth, and so DX took the entire letter, and they just read it out loud to the crowd, that kind of to to the to the to the WWE
1: audience.
0: Mm-hmm. that solidified their moment in the WWE. This was one of those they still tell stories about this moment because this is when all of a sudden they kind of won over the network. USA then came back after that, and they said, "You know, hey, we really enjoyed uh, the DX's segment last night." And by the way, this is where the ratings number were for last week. And they kind of just left it alone after that. DX was the USA had said their piece, the FCC had said their piece, and DX had found a way to kind of turn that into a funny moment. And that was that was enough. You wouldn't be able to do that in a. WWE purchased by Saudi Arabia universe.
1: No. And also, I mean, this is just another example of how literally changing the rules of network television before our very eyes. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, because the, they didn't...
0: They didn't... They, they, they wanted them to kind of get under control, but they also understood that the way they did it was handled in such a way that Triple H and Shawn Michaels, they did it in such a way that it was clever, it was intelligent, it was funny, it was still crass, it was still very DXE, but it was also it, it reassured the FCC and USA that that you know that the end of that degeneration Generation X knew what the rules were and was going to push the boundaries but play within them. Well, imagine that scenario in a Saudi Arabia-owned WWE. Let's say instead of the USA Network or the FCC, let's say it's a... I keep saying FCC. SEC. As in, no. Yeah, FCC, like regulation, not SEC, like security exchanges. Okay. Now let's say that the WWE is bought by Saudi Arabia, and instead of any of those entities, it's like... An emissary from the Arabian government who comes through and says, Hey, uh, last week you guys did a segment we didn't really like. Other than apologize, there's nothing else that DX can do about that. They can't put that guy on the air and make fun of him.
1: Yeah. It'll you know it would be it wouldn't even be that. It wouldn't even be like you you did something we didn't like. It would just be here's your termination notice. We'll see you in (laughs) that.
0: Or some strongmen just show up at the WWE compound and they're like, we'll give you a ride to the airport. And like, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, like, no, yeah I'm, uh, I'm all right. I think I'm just going to take my lunch early. And they're like, okay, we'll see you yeah. at lunch. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Oh, you want to go to lunch? Okay, yeah, we'll take you to lunch. No problem. No, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all.
0: <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> I am sort of concerned. I guess that's kind of where we can leave it. I'm concerned that this would be the aid of the WWE as we knew it. And I'm not one of those people who's like boycott anything. But I just don't think it would work. Long term, I think this would be the, the move that eventually kills the WWE. And people have said that a thousand times. And it, it, it's been proven them wrong over and over and over again. It's part of its charm.
1: However, there's there's just this is just a little bit different from those times. Yeah, and this is kind of for
0: so long before someone takes it under control. And in the case of Vince McMahon running the WWE, no one's ever gonna do that. Um yeah, yeah I've just kind of blown away by that story. I just think it's crazy. Okay. Um just a reminder: next hour, we've got a great, great interview with John Holland, who is—he's an interesting cat. He's been around the industry forever, like forever, forever. Like he made comic books with Malibu, which was around right, right before Image showed up. That's pretty good. Uh, and he's got a Kickstarter coming out next week called Alma, and he wants to tell us about it. It's kind of—it's really interesting. Uh, I'll give you the hook, and then we're going to move on to some other stuff. Here's the hook for his Kickstarter. Um, you know how like, there's always like a chosen one to deal with stuff, or to help fight something, or deal with something? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alma is the chosen one, as she's chosen to be the guardian of life. However, instead of being like a young, felt, like 15-year-old hottie or whatever, uh, Alma's uh, a grandmother.
1: Good for her. <laughs>
0: so i heard the pitch and i was like i was like yeah okay i i'm interested i i, I want to hear this so we um, got him on the show and we're, we're we're gonna have we're gonna have him on next hour and it, it's a lot of fun nice yeah i think it's i think it, we we have a good conversation so i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to you guys hearing it next hour uh stay with us as we go ahead and go through all that uh but let's go ahead and talk about some other stuff we don't typically do a ton of sports here because of our jobs with Fox Media. We get to talk a lot of Texans in, in sports everywhere else. Um, but it is the end of the season, and there was what we always call Black Monday at the NFL. So there are now five head coaching open, openings. Uh, Nico, I wanted to ask you, of the five head coaching openings, the Broncos, the Carolina Panthers, the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, and uh, the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Mm-hmm. Which one would you want? Which one would I want? Yeah, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm taking the Texans every time. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. I dig it. Uh, and then that, that might be just a bit of recency, but honestly, they are the single most franchise out of those five that is the most set up for success.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, I, I,
0: that's probably true. That's probably true. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's an interesting one. I think. I, so I. I think maybe the reason I might disagree a little bit with say the Texans are, are the ones most built for success. They do have the options still on everything. Like they don't have a quarterback yet, so you still get to pick that. And there's kind of a lot of still fill in the blanks. But but to me that kind of carries both ways.
1: Yeah, like they, it could go, it could go horribly wrong. I'm not going to doubt, but like it's obviously a perfect decision. Just they're the team with the most flexibility without being locked into pretty much anything,
0: right? And, and so I totally get what you say that like ideally they could they could blow it up this year and, and be in a really great position at the end of the season, or they could, uh, you know, get it all wrong and then it's another two or three years of just these guys who just don't fit the the, the outcomes aren't what they want, and blah, 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 right? Yeah. Um, here's a little stat to kind of pair with all of this. The four teams with the four highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL wound up missing the playoffs this year. And so they've got Aaron Rodgers at $50 million, uh, Russell Wilson at like $40-something. A quadrillion something a 1000000000000000 dollars yeah, 48 or 46, whatever it is. Then they've got Kyler Murray. Uh, and then who is the other one? I think LeVar Jackson, maybe? No. Someone else is also way up there. And then the two of them completely missed it. So it, it something to think about. Like, you, you can't just tie up this much income with one.
1: One character, or you know, one position, one guy. I do yeah. like thinking like he's a video game character.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about it, like building a roster on like Madden, when you're just dumping all the resources on one dude like that, and then you're like, "All right, let's get a team." No, no, it's not. It's not going to work that way. It's um, like you can afford no one, no one. I think, I think I would take the Colts job of all of these jobs. I think betraying me. I knew it. I think of all of them, they're probably
1: the one that's closest to being I mean, you're probably right. Sort of like you're saying, well, I don't know because
0: they've given up draft picks to get these guys in. So they're a little bit behind the eight ball, but they're drafting pretty high. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. You know who you know who I think I would probably want honestly, honestly probably more than all these. I probably would want to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers.
1: Carolina Panthers, look at that. Cuz they gave Matt Rule
0: 3 years to fix his team and he just couldn't figure it out. So if I could have 3 years as a head coach of the NFL, I would be I'd walk away from that fairly wealthy.
1: Um uh, you want to get a ten-year deal so you can get fired after one, so they can pay you for nine years. <laughs> just, just pay, I, man.
0: It, it's it's potentially just so crazy to me how they just keep paying these guys. So one of the stories that, that the NFL they at <laughs> the league meetings during the season. The NFL reminded the teams that they have spent $800 million the last couple seasons on executives and coaches who are no longer with teams. And that was their way of reminding them that, like, hey, uh, don't just hire the first person you see. But that's just the way it kind of works there in in the WWE. Like, Ronnie Smith got a multi-year contract. And so now they're unhappy with him and they fired him. Well, he's gonna get the other years. It's just what he's entitled to. That's how it's all set up. But people are like, enlisted that you got anything at all. I don't. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting the way that kind of all.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) and it's just it's funny because it just it's it's all these big lengthy contracts. It's what's gonna kill the NFL in terms of like. Weird growth because they keep locking themselves in because people are smart and they're like, no, make my deal longer, just a little less money per year. And these NFL yeah. organizations are like, oh yeah, no problem. And then all of a sudden, when they fire these people or they're not good anymore, they're like, man, I can't wait to pay this guy for another two, three years. And like, well,
0: and maybe this is just a sign that the NFL has too much money that that they don't feel the consequence from firing guys like Lovey Smith, right? Like he had a four-year. We're literally
1: going to be paying him for three years, and we're paying the other guy for, what, like another two years?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, Cauley didn't get a lot
0: of money. He basically got a million dollars a year. He essentially got, like, the amount of money he got essentially made him, like, a highly paid coordinator. Um, Like, there are coordinators around the league who make who make more than a million dollars a year. So the Cauley deal was kind of weird because they basically were like, we don't think you're a qualified head coach, or we don't think you've coached enough to earn. Yeah, more at least money. we. Were... <laughs> we got something right, and yeah. we saved a little bit of money that way, I guess. Right. But Lovey Smith, he he got a head coach's salary. Now, I think he was one of the least, you know, lowest paid. But I think it's two and a half or three, something like that. And yeah, they're gonna pay him. They're they're gonna owe him another twelve million dollars.
1: Good I job, mean, guys! Excellent work.
0: Now it's nowhere near as bad as Carolina's Matt Rule, where they're where they're he's making forty eight million uh, over the next four years, but still not great. And I think Matt Rule is getting something. I think it's like forty six million over or, or over four years. If someone did the math, and basically he's getting like eight hundred grand a month
1: for the next four years. That's a that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it sounds like my kind of gig. You know. Oh man.
0: Okay. So January 20th uh The Legend of Vox Machina returns to Amazon. Yes,
1: I'm so excited. Oh man. I'm super pumped. This is this is the first season was so good.
0: It really was. And the show was so good and this was based on moments from the show uh for those who aren't aware, let's give it a quick breakdown here. Vox Machina is a campaign from a group of role players who are voice actors. And in the beginning, they were sponsored by like Funny or Die or someone like that. They were not sponsored by, they kind of partnered with like Funny or Die or whoever it was that they partnered with. Uh, Geekly or whatever it was. Do you remember who they partnered with? I think I, I honestly don't remember now. I, I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. So, the first season, they partnered with one of those kind of well known websites for like spoof videos and stuff because they're involved a lot. Like, Matthew Mercer's in a lot of those videos for Geekly back in the day. But these these particular group of voice actors, Matthew Mercer GMs, and these voice actors have a character and they, they voice it. Um,. What was interesting was the role-playing was was deep. They, they really took the characters seriously, but they also were a group of kind of just degenerates having a lot of really good fun. And they came across in these four-hour sessions where they just really enjoyed themselves. Uh, and they cut to, they've been doing this now for five or six years, and it's really grown and grown and grown to every Thursday when they air on Twitch. I mean, a million-plus people watch them do it live.
1: They're the uh, they're the most uh, I think I believe it's the most not profitable but like the most donations and stuff. They make the most money on Twitch. Period. Boom. Boom. So Amazon came to them. So they people have been
0: asking them forever. How come you guys don't do more with your content? Because content is king, but really also IP generation. You've created. They're now in their third different campaign. Each campaign is unique. Each campaign has its own characters. This third one does, in fact, cross over with the first one in lore, in in terms of lore and things of that nature. But as far as each of them is their own characters and their own situation and their own story, they do a really good job of keeping each one original. So people were like, how come you don't do more with Vox Machina? Like, that's a really... Y'all's campaigns are great. You're very entertaining, blah, blah, blah. So they sat down and they launched a Kickstarter asking for half a million dollars and they were going to do like a 90-minute Vox Mac in a movie. Well, they raised so much money. I think they raised something like $6 million or something along the lines. So instead what they wanted doing was Amazon Prime stepped in and basically renewed them automatically I think for the first season or the first two seasons or whatever and then they partnered with the and the voice actors became like the executive producers the leaders of the series and so now they tell that story and now they're they're having this great time with it
1: and it's really 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 good
0: it, oh, it's hilarious, and it's great, and it, and it takes its cues directly from the campaign. Uh, really, almost, if you are listening to the streams from when they start on the podcast, like if you go to Spotify and you search Critical Role, which is the name of the group, and the name of the channel, or the name of the show, I think. Yeah, it's the name of the show. If you were to search Critical Role on Spotify, it's like the first 10 or 15 episodes before you got into where the show was at that point. So it's very early in the lore of, of Vox Machina, but it also was relevant and, and full of great stories, great moments. And it was, it was very cool. It's very cool to see and very cool to kind of get involved, uh, kind of be a fan of. However, what I want to also talk about while we're on the subject Wizards of the Coast released new guidelines for their one D&D for their original content sub license basically.
1: Yeah, because if you if you didn't know before D&D has a open gaming license and basically it means that you can write whatever you want for D&D and it's kind of blossomed this basically extended the lifespan of the latest version of D&D, which was 5e for over a decade. (laughs) Well, and also just as important, it really has created this opportunity
0: for things like Critical Role. Critical Role wouldn't exist if if 5e wasn't open for anyone to use. Mm -hmm. Now, what's changed is now they're saying... What they're proposing, it hasn't finalized yet. I want to be clear about that. There's still an opportunity for them to change their mind. But where they've landed on it is them basically saying they want they money. Want they want they money, mean. yeah. They want, So if you make more than $750,000, they want something like 10 to 15% of everything after that. Oh, it's uh, higher
1: than that. It's
0: like twenty five. Well, eighty percentage is kind of crazy because you don't have an ability to negotiate. But I think it's interesting that the number is placed so high because it does mean that the smaller entities can kind of keep coasting. However, I do think it's a it's a problematic situation because it's just. They're going to be in a position where they can, d- d- you know, decide to activate it or not. It, yeah, it's basically just a, a gun. It's <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly,
1: yeah. They can lord this over any project, kill it. Um, th- And the worst part, the worst part is that they leave the right to, like, renegotiate those terms. And the only recourse they have is they have to give you a 30-day notice. So you might be thinking, you might be accounting for a 25% hit and you're like, it's fine, we can still make all the numbers work, and then they send you one little letter that says, hey, in 30 days, we want 65, and then you, you're you doomed. <laughs> yeah, and then what do you do? This is kind of all
0: on the heels of Wizards of the Coast taking a lot of flack uh, at a
1: recent stockholders call, you know, because of the... The fireside chat, the, the legendary Wizards of the Coast fireside chat where uh, Bank of America had a personal... They did like an investigation that basically was like, hey, Hasbro is really murdering Wizards of the Coast and uh, they're really slaughtering Magic the Gathering. It's not doing too hot. And so they downgraded their stock. And so basically they had this meeting and everyone's like, all right, here's where they're finally going to address it. Uh, And they said, we're not doing that. That was a bunch of lamos. They don't know anything. (laughs) We're going to charge people for Dungeons & Dragons. Thanks for coming, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, and it really... It was the most delusional like not in touch thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, well don't don't
0: worry WWE might sell to Saudi Arabia. So
1: that okay, but like at least to me personally, <laughs> like that could just be Vince McMahon wants 50 billion dollars and I'd be like that's as dumb as that is. Like yeah, 50 billion dollars is pretty awesome. Like yeah, I, like I, I, Wizards I of the Coast is like Wizards of the Coast is killing Dungeons and Dragons content creation for like fractions of what it would generate.
0: <laughs> correct. You're, you're correct on that point. And I do. It's very short sighted of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I don't think they realize that it's the ability to participate in Dungeons and Dragons is what's made all of this so interesting. And to be fair. I think the creators would get involved in some sort of revenue-sharing situation if you approach them differently. But kind of the structure that they're looking to build is so one-sided and monolithic. that It it really is. I don't think there's any room for
1: it. Right. It literally reads, uh, hey, you've been using our things and making stuff that's cool. Uh, We want...
0: Yeah, we want a piece of it. And, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with saying like, listen, I built, if I'm the maker of PlayStation and you make independent games on my PlayStation and you're making $10 million a year making them, there's not anything wrong with me going, hey, we should really sit down and find a way for me to help you make more money, but also me somehow get a piece of this.
1: Yeah, because
0: like you sit down and say, I want to tax you for making
1: money on my platform, that's crazy, right? And they, you know what, and it's weird because they've literally done that, they've released source books based off of the things that they've written in Critical Role. Yes, they did, and they did one for
0: uh, I don't remember who, what's I, I don't, they did one for (laughs) Magic the Gathering, I know that that was cool, they did one for Rick and Morty. And they did one for Acquisitions Incorporated. I don't remember the name of the actual show, but the show is it's a po- it's a comedy podcast about Dungeons and Dragons that if use that uses like corporate speak for the world of Dungeons and Dragons. It's one of the funniest source books that that, that I've ever read because it just talks about everything in terms of how a corporation would term it all out. And so it is really hilarious. And that's one of their to me, that's one of their most entertaining and original source books. Um, but yeah, I they've partnered with people before. They've created very official, like, co-sponsored content. I don't know how you want to phrase that. Um, they have done it before. And, and now, instead of staying on that path, it looks like they're opting for something even bigger and crazier.
1: Yeah, it's not so much a, hey, let's make something cool together because you're using my content. It's, hey, you're using my content and I want a slice. Not that I'm going to support you in any way just because I made the original thing. Right. And I think that's sort of the frustrating part about it, right? Like, yeah, it's not a partnership. It's a give me.
0: Yeah, that's it. Like, they're not, they don't, it doesn't feel like they're creating a community so much as they want their, like, they're the mob.
1: Like, (laughs) yeah. They're like, where's my, where's my cut?
0: You, yeah,
1: you're free to park in the parking lot, but if you use the parking
0: lot, you owe us a
1: cut. Right. Uh, what? Yeah, would be a shame if something were to happen. And a lot of people are, are really, like, honestly hurt, and they're like... And really, what this is gonna do is, is just either drive people to other systems, or drive people to make their own systems, because they don't even want to deal with it. Well, um, so, like, on the heels of the announcement...
0: Uh, I'm going to get the name of the thing wrong, so I'm not even going to say it, but there's a marketplace for like, do-it-yourself RPG content, mm-hmm. and they just kind of gently reminded everybody that their revenue split is 50-50. They were like, you're free to do whatever you want on our website. Everything just sells, and we keep 50%. Like, <laughs> You can move it all over to us if you need to. And that's what someone's going to do. People are going to step up to be the next thing people play their content on. Right, because... (laughs) Someone is smart.
1: As short-sighted as this is, really the bigger picture is that Dungeons & Dragons has spent so much time and money streamlining people to get into the service with things like D&D Beyond and getting all the books and all the things in one place and then immediately shove it straight into the garbage... Because now people are just going to go somewhere else because they're afraid of, you know, they can't make homebrew content anymore. <laughs> right. Right. And and that's
0: that's the crazy-slash-unfortunate part about all of it. Right. Is all they're going to do is push people, like
1: people away. Right. These people that... It, there are people who I guarantee would have never played Dungeons & Dragons if it weren't for... Critical role and shows like it. I guarantee you, it's, it's Stranger Things.
0: It's Critical Role. Uh, I feel like there's one other really, one other element that are like probably sixty to eighty percent of the whole Venn diagram.
1: Yeah, like so many players, so many players, just so many people. I honestly,
0: I probably wouldn't play if it wasn't for
1: for the Critical Role. And like that's tough for me to say because we're on totally opposite sides. Because like you I, don't, I, I can't. I don't like Critical Role at all. And it's not like I don't like the people. It's just I don't like the formatting. I think it's weird to listen to people play Dungeons and Dragons. I just don't get it. No, and that's it. You know, for a lot of people, that's probably a
0: fair statement. I just really enjoy what they what they're doing, and I'm not a voice actor guy. That's what's funny is you're a voice actor guy, and. This is them kind of finding their own opportunity and carving it out, and you're like, eh, I don't know. And, and me, on the other hand, I'm like, it's just, it's funny how much it's not in my wheelhouse. Like, I don't watch people Twitch. I don't watch Twitch at all. I don't get involved in stuff like that. It's none of it's my bag, but they immediately hooked me with just how funny they were. Right. So, like, it's, it, it is interesting how we're kind of on opposite sides of that. Um... Before we jump out, I want to take the opportunity to make sure to remind everyone to go to the Adventure Begins Comics Games and or Make sure to go hang out with those guys. They're great. They're on 1488. It's awesome. It's family friendly. It's well lit. It's the place to go uh, kind of have a great time and enjoy yourself. And that's where we go and get our nerd stuff on. We do a lot of work with those guys, including a lot of charity work. And we're really happy and really thrilled to be kind of part of the Adventure Begins family. Um. All that being said, please, please, please uh, stay with us. We're going to jump out to a break here in a couple of minutes. And when we come back, I've got a really great conversation with John Holland that is totally worth your time. I always love talking to creators. I always love talking to people and getting feedback and kind of getting other viewpoints about comic book making and things of that nature. And so we have a really great conversation with him coming up here on the second hour of Nerd Thug Radio. That's right. New year, new format. We're back now with a second hour of Nerd Thug Radio, and we're thrilled to be entertaining everybody. Um, Nico, we got like two minutes here. Give me your favorite WWE wrestlers.
1: Give me three, three of my favorite wrestlers? Yeah. All right. So it's got to be Hulk Hogan. I think he's just so iconic. Okay, all right. Uh definitely gotta be uh I really like Braun Strowman. Okay. The dead, monster among men. Yep, and then uh gotta be Rey Mysterio. The absolute classic from when I was a kid. All right, all right, I dig it. I like it. Um uh
0: let's see, who are my top three be? I think right now, and it's always fluid, it always changes. I think he always, to me, Stone Cold Steve Austin is always at the top of the list for me. Um, That was just my era of wrestling. Uh, Shawn Michaels, his whole second run, he left DX and WWE with back problems and drug problems and all kinds of craziness. And his whole second run where he comes back a few years later, I missed it going through it the first time. But all the stories and everything that they talk about now, going back and watching some of those matches... Uh, I, I, I put him towards the top of the list. And then, just because I'm selfish, my future ex-wife, Alexa Bliss. Yep, yep. Uh, She's number three. Number three there. Um, all right, guys. We want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us on this Thursday. By the way, under NerdThug rules of rounding up, this is officially the weekend. You've made it. And we want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to jump out to a break. And when we come back, we got a lot more Nerd Thug Radio coming your way. Stay tuned.